Ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. We had a really hard time coming up with something to talk about today for a Mm check-in. But we finally settled on what is your favorite fictional detective? I just have never been a fan of, like, police-type stuff. Mm -hmm. I do love a good P.I. story, Mm -hmm. which is why anytime I ever get the chance to talk about Veronica Mars, (laughs) I'm always going to take it. Oh, yeah, I forgot that you watched that. Yes. My mom and I used to watch Veronica Mars every Friday, literally on the edge of our seat. That's so cute. It was so fun. The guy who wrote Veronica Mars went Mm -hmm. on to write... I zombie. So if you like I zombie, I love I zombie. Yeah, you should check oh. out Veronica Mars. It's very similar. It is about a high schooler. She used to be popular. Some mysterious circumstances happened. She became a pry of the town, and she just mm. wants to fuck over every rich person who lives in this town by exposing all of their secrets. I love that. It's so great. Stirring the That's pot. That's amazing. It was actually Kristen Bell's first big role, and the writing is a little campy, and everyone's a little too smart and quippy, but that's just like, the style <laughs> of that writer. So. Right, right. What about you, Allie? I have to go Sherlock Holmes. Classic. And I know I'm a basic bitch. But no, it's very English teacher of you. Is. And we've already discussed how, like, the late 19th century is your favorite time period of history. 1890s, my favorite decade. Yeah. Okay, so Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was like, fuck this. I hate how mysteries just give you, like, this random bullshit at the end. Like, that isn't creative, and that doesn't give you any chance at solving it yourself. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to write a better one. And all I'm going to do is give you every single detail, and you have to be smart enough to figure out what the fuck's going on, and I bet you can't. Ooh, I love that. Do you have any favorite Sherlock incarnations? (gasps) Oh, that hurts my soul a little. Because they all... They all do something really (sighs) different. Yeah. They really, really do. I've watched all of them, and they're all fantastic. I love how campy some of them get. Even, like, the new Enola Holmes is fantastic. And there was a new one on Netflix, like... The the Irregulars. Irregulars, I really liked that. Actually, it's sort of like trashy British version of Supernatural where all the characters are teens. Yes, it's It's so fun. It's really fun. It got canceled. Huh? It got canceled. (gasps) It did? It did. So at least all of the storylines are wrapped up at the end of season Mm. one. Yeah. (laughs) Jasper, what do you like? My favorite fictional detective Mm -hmm. is Phryne Fisher. I've actually never read any of the books, which is ridiculous because (laughs) the show is based on a book series. But the basic premise is that it's the 1920s and Franny Fisher is this wealthy Australian woman. She's just inherited a bunch of money from relatives after their death in the recent world war. And she just runs around being a horny flapper, solving oh, mysteries underneath that. the police's noses, like oh getting everything done for them, essentially, while they bumble around after her and around her. And it's just so, like, wholesome and wonderful. It, it talks very adeptly about social justice issues. And she adopts, like, this little found family. Mm-hmm. Like, she adopts a foster child, and she has this random very religious woman who lives with her and gets very bent out of shape about all kinds of things like electricity for example oh my and this older guy who's like half butler half sharpshooter bodyguard (laughs) it's a really really fun show and the costuming is just glorious and it has a wonderful multiple seasons long slow burn romance oh I don't know about Jordan's, but I think it's funny that mine and yours, at least, are both, like, cops are dumb. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, Veronica Mars, she's usually working against the cops. 
I so. love that that's resonant throughout yeah. art. But I love detectives. Yes, very good. We love a mystery. Today's episode is season two, episode seven, The Usual Suspects, the one where the ghost says ACAB again. <laughs> this episode was written by Katherine Humphreys and directed by Mike Roll and originally aired on November 9th, 2006. I've talked about this before, but I love when they start the cold open, mm -hmm. but the case that they're presenting revolves around something directly related to the boys. Much like in Skin, in season mm -hmm. one, we start off with this backwards sort of narrative where we're in the position mm -hmm. of law enforcement. And at the end, they're like, oh, fuck, it's Dean breaking laws again. But it isn't. We know it isn't. Love when they do that. It's a nice change of pace from the usual, mm -hmm. oh, no, we're going to stab a woman a bunch of times. Yeah, they waited to the middle of the episode for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think this open is fantastic. I usually am not a fan of flashbacks. I think they're far overused, but this does it so well. And the pan, when it pans from the back of Dean's head to his face looking at the camera. But only from that so sort of good. side angle. Yeah. He's making like that cheeky little whatever face yes it was it was fantastic it is it is similar to that same kind of face he's making in the opening of skin mm -hmm. like the side angle yeah. and the like haha you're not gonna get me like, it totally kinda. looks like too when he looks at the camera like do you expect me did you <laughs> <laughs> but we did yeah <laughs> i know that back of that head anywhere <laughs> Next, we go to the interrogation scene. Yeah, just immediately, immediately diving into that. Yeah. I've talked about this before. I like when an episode makes them feel like professionals. Mm -hmm. Oh, this yeah. Episode this one really definitely did. did that. The thing that really stuck out to me, though, in this scene was definitely the coffee. Sam immediately gets the coffee, smells it, and does it like that kind of disgusted look. Yeah. And I think they both have their coffee orders like down to a T. Yeah. It's something they usually do together. So like the next scene where they're immediately yeah. drinking coffee together in the exact same cup, I thought right. that was really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny that he does that, I think, right after they're talking about running his prints and talk of DNA and stuff, mm -hmm. because that's the kind of trick that mm -hmm. cops do all the time to get genetic material and fingerprints. Yeah. And also, can I just say, I love how bitchy Sam is in this scene. Yeah. And honestly, throughout the whole episode, this is such a good episode for him just being a massive bitch to everyone. And I love it so yes. much. And they bring the grayscale back in it, but it actually, like, appropriately fits this. Yeah. I think it's only in certain moments. Like, it's yeah. dialed back for certain scenes, too. Seems um, like mainly when they're being interrogated and in the police station. Yeah, and I'm exactly. like, that makes total sense. It's probably dingy in there. Yeah. So I accepted it and kind of appreciated it in this one. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it sets us up visually to even more to feel like the cops are the problem mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Also, can I just say Sam is looking very good in he this is. episode. He's such a cute. He's having a, such a good hair day, and I know I rag on his button-down shirts a lot because they're almost always really bad and in colors that mm -hmm. wash Jared out. But like the sort of navy blue and light blue plaid thing going on here, and then in the flashback scenes, the the denim button-down yeah. shirt. Ugh. Love a denim button down. We love it. I feel like he just looks better in Joel tones. Yes, he I does. Agree. Mm -hmm. And you can't see his huge forehead because of his hair <laughs> like this. Oh and my goodness, Allie. <laughs> I just had to throw in something negative. Why are you... You are <laughs> always kidding. trying to rile me up for no reason. Can we say, though... Even though Dean could be a little obnoxious at times, it was a Sam episode and Dean wasn't like a total Neanderthal. True. He wasn't, but they still managed to sneak it in there yes. a couple of times. <laughs> like, And I think that's the biggest indicator, other than the fact that our first big dialogue scene was just Sam, is that in the flashbacks, almost immediately, he's just being a little bit psycho. Like yes. the scene where mm -hmm. they're dressed as insurance agents. Oh my God. And he's he's just like, so tell me about your husband's nightmares, Karen. I'm like, Dean, calm down. I'm like, why? Every time it's a Sam episode, Sam will like come in, say something smart, and then the camera pans in and he's like, me, Dean. Like, why? why is it like this? 
<laughs> it just makes no sense. It's so funny, too, because I think even in Dean-focused episodes, they don't really do- give Sam that same treatment. Mm-hmm. Except for a few. Like, we did talk about in the previous episode, no exit. Sam mm-hmm. gets completely sidelined. Mm-hmm. But I think that had more to do with Joe's presence than the fact that it was more of a Dean episode. Dean is in such a different view. Like, when it's a Sam episode... Dean is bumbling. When it's a Dean episode, Sam's just missing from a lot of the story. Yeah, he's like not there. But he's still, when he is there, he's being really smart. Mm -hmm. And he delivers all of the important information. But in a Sam episode, Dean is like asking Karen too many pointed questions, making remarks about frisky women, and doing a lot of random stimming and fidgeting. Being extremely ADHD. Like, I don't hate it, to be honest. I just mm-hmm. think it's kind of funny. And this was the most fun I've had with Neanderthal Dean. Yes. So yeah, far. well, I think it helps that he's not, like, aggressively mm-hmm. hitting on anybody or being like, hey, Sam, hey, Sam, guess what? I have sex. Or trying to get <laughs> Sam laid or... <laughs> Anything like that, yeah. yeah. To talk about the interrogation some more, mm-hmm. I really love how they build up the first act of this episode with this back and forth between the lies that Sam is spinning and his really good sell on that con with Mm. the flashbacks that highlight the truth and just like how (laughs) how completely different they are I don't know it's a fun little pacing thing Mm. and I think it helps us get back up to speed without making it too like rote or boring and I think that's what makes it okay that it follows a very similar format to skin from the first season because it's it's playing with that mm-hmm. that build up where we work back up to yes. the present again. Mm-hmm. And it does it quickly. Like some episodes wait forever, but this one jumps yeah. right in and the pacing continues to be fast even with the flashbacks so that they catch up to modern time like pretty quickly. Like I feel like why some flashbacks fall short is they wait until the end. Yeah. And that's just so overdone that when it's a 45-minute episode, you're just kind of like, ugh, did they have to keep dragging this out? Right. And I think the interspersal of a third objective point of view Mm. of someone who is directly involved as a participant in the case Mm -hmm. really helps with that kind of pacing as well. Oh, absolutely. Can we talk about Diana and her badass pantsuits? I love her pantsuits. Yeah. I'm really into the fact that she is, like, extremely feminine, actually. Yeah. And she's, like, two fucking feet shorter than them, but has so much power and clearly doesn't need to, like, fight for it. Right. Not even just, like, her physicality and stuff, too, but the way he was, like, trying to obviously work one over on her and try and make Mm -hmm. the case go a certain way. Like, she wasn't, like, being aggressive, but at the same time, she was, like, standing her ground when talking to him as well. Right. She's like, I'm going to do this the right way. This is the way I do it. Like, yeah. Right. Frequently, it seemed like she was allowing him to think things were going how he wanted Mm, and then actually just going and doing what she wanted on her own. Love her. Yeah. No. Great character. Oh, absolutely. Love the really big collar, blush pink button down. With the, like, brown pantsuit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know how the fuck it works. It shouldn't work, but it does. Right. And, like, the really feathered, textury hair and the big sparkly earrings. Yes. She, like, has layers on layers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to talk about with costumes, actually, in this episode. Do you mind if we talk about the fashion for for a second? So I know we talked about Mm -hmm. Sam's outfits, which Mm -hmm. have been really good. But I think in particular, him and Dean look great in this flashback Mm -hmm. where they're posing as insurance agents to Mm -hmm. talk to Karen. I just love how, like, in the first season, they just have those basic suits. And they they look like costumes, but here they look like business people. Yes. Like, Sam has that blue and white stripe buttoned down and the dark suit jacket and, like, that oxblood red tie mm-hmm. with the little dot details going yeah. on. Yeah. Very good. Something weird about Dean's tie, but it still seems to fit. Maybe mm-hmm. because, like I said before, he's acting a little psycho in that yeah. scene. Yeah, very true. <laughs> like, a little bit insane he's at least a little unhinged and the time matches that he's honestly pretty unhinged yes. the whole episode. <laughs> yeah true karen's outfit 
Karen. Yes. She is what I think I thought I would look like as an adult in 2004 or 5. Right. Like the thick rolled over top cardigan. Right. Dangly chain earrings and those glasses. Yes. I love that they really made her look expensive. Yes. I love that. But still like comfy and still mourning. Like it didn't look like unrealistic. Right. Well and I think we discussed the really bad outfits again in skin um, Mm -hmm. that Becky was wearing. And she was clearly intended to be wealthy also Mm -hmm. but the style was just so different here. Like Karen is super understated but she looks wealthy. Mm -hmm. And I love that even, even in her death scene she's wearing actual pajamas and the big yes, chunky cardigan. I once. can't believe how excited I was for a scene where a woman was murdered and like she wasn't wearing like a white slip. <laughs> I was oh like, god. oh my god. They didn't lean into the innocent, vulnerable womanhood thing for the first time. <laughs> Literally, yeah. And I get that women wear that to sleep like some women do. How many? What percentage? Right. Because I know it's not every fucking woman like it's been in Supernatural so far. Another thing talking about the suits was a comparison that I drew between how Sam and Dean's suits give them credibility because Mm -hmm. they look like they fit well. They look like they're put together completely. And then when we get the public defender (laughs) where his outfit is very drab and it's way too big for him and it makes him look completely incompetent. Like he doesn't know how to wear an outfit to a professional Mm -hmm. day at work. This is just very good costuming all around in this episode. I was into it. So I, mm. I just wanted to talk about the X-File references. <laughs> yeah, there were mm-hmm, there so were many. a lot of outside references to other media in this episode. Well, I just really love when you can tell creators' inspirations like through their work. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you could definitely tell there were some like nods to the X-Files and kind of like the proceduralness of it. And Right, yeah. I'm really interested in that moment because A, it's a really great sibling spat kind yes. of moment. But B, I'm really perplexed at Sam's reaction to that. Like, he really doesn't want to be Scully. And I'm like, why? She's a badass. Absolutely. (laughs) The redheaded part does feel like in the family, Sam is the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Because he is so removed. So I'm like, Sam, it does kind of fit. Maybe it hits too close to home. That was what I took away from it is it was supposed to be like a remark on him being like the redheaded stepsibling. Mm -hmm. Right. So they were using like an actual redhead as proxy, which was. But it's not like the way he phrased it to be like, you're a redheaded woman. Mm-hmm. It seems very like it's a comment about his masculinity. Yes. Yeah. So like that was very weird to me, I guess. I don't know. It's not out of line for a Dean moment, especially mm-hmm. in a Sam episode. True. But I was still sort of like, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it fits well because we know it's like we all know those people in real life who are the first to call everyone else like oh you're a feminine man blah 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 are the ones that have the most insecurity with it right projecting much yeah also so the fits fact perfectly. that he immediately globs on to fucking fox Mulder, <laughs> another chaotic by king yes <laughs> But, you know. We just need ma- more chaotic buys in the world and media. I agree. Join my team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would like more on my team, too. To Something date them all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would date a chaotic buy. I mean, that's true. I just want to stir the pot with more chaotic buys. Yeah, it's just the chaos we're really after. Yes, yes. Come to us if you're chaotic. Yeah. We do need more mean lesbians, though. True. I feel, I feel outnumbered much of the time. <laughs> Our mean lesbian quota is not high enough. <laughs> no, we haven't reached it yet. Much like police reaching their unofficial speeding ticket quotas for the month. Oh, my God. Much like Jasper <laughs> reaching with this metaphor. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I'm allowed to say ridiculous things that don't make sense to Allie. Um, Speaking of the references, I did have some stuff that I was thinking about with regards to Dana Scully Mm -hmm. as well, outside of the scene. Dana Schultz. Yeah, so Dana Schultz is the name Dana there, and then Diana is the first name of the detective. So I just kept thinking about Scully the whole episode, and I was like, ah, yes, my wife. Well, it's so funny, too, because the thing is, 
We have that moment between Dean and Sam where Scully was used to emasculate Sam. But then we have probably the strongest character in the episode, which directly parallels Scully. Like she's being brought into Mm -hmm. the supernatural world. She's kind of an observer. A little skeptical. A little skeptical. And she's honestly the one who gets done in the end like Scully always does. Right. So I just thought it was interesting. It actually is. Actually, now that I think about it, I kind of like it that we do use that reference in mm-hmm. the end. And then not only that, but Dana Schulp is literally the ghost who's trying to help everyone, too. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. yeah. And I love how Diana, being mm-hmm. the Scully here, positions Sam directly mm-hmm. as the Mulder, yeah. going against that little scene. Yeah, exactly. and Because he's sort of explaining everything that's going on and walking her through it. Mm-hmm. It is very, like, episode one of The X-Files. Yeah. It's it was, cute. It is very, very cute. I wish we could have got um, Mulder's energy implanted into Sam a little this episode. Oh, man. Mulder is like the complete opposite of Sam's personality, yes. though. <laughs> I just want to mention real quick, Mm -hmm. if anyone hasn't seen David Duchovny's teapot photo shoot, (laughs) I highly recommend Googling that. It doesn't do anything for me, but it's hilarious. Or if you haven't seen it, I've seen only the pictures and they're hilarious. Oh, you have seen them. You've showed me the pictures, yes. Oh, of course it was me. I'm like, haha, look look at David Duchovny in this teapot. I do want to mention The Shining real quick, too, since we're talking about all these. Yes. Um, Because it really is confusing to me how they reference it a ton in this and no other episodes. No, that's not true. But as much... That's not true. Oh, I think... In Asylum. That's true. But the reason I think it should be mentioned in different places is The Shining is literally about people with gifts and children with The Shining, which is this gift. So it feels like so many times it's brought up, but then it's not really brought up so much in relation to the special children. It is, though. Dean specifically makes a remark about learning that Sam has The Shining in Asylum. It's so brief and rare in comparison to this which i feel like is so like there are so many times it's referenced in this and it's just funny oh well whatever i think think that the red rum moment does directly relate really well Mm -hmm. to this and i love it as a consistent character thing i wouldn't remove it from this episode it just interests me how it's not used in some other places sure i mean i guess if they used it in like every other episode it would be like too much maybe take it out of asylum and implant it into a special children episode yes no i I thought it was good in asylum i liked it there (laughs) because it was right after home we'll just disagree to disagree that's honestly the energy with us most of the time i can't (laughs) i can't disagree with you on that yeah the good old double negatives (laughs) another thing that reminded me of the shining too not just the red rum reference and dean doing the all work and no play makes jack a dull boy but there was also that bathroom scene with Diana where every all the tile was mm-hmm. super green. And mm-hmm. I like, just could not help but think of the green bathroom in The Shining. Yeah, I know. That's true. Absolutely. The references in this episode were so, like, subtle in between mm-hmm. the lines, minus some of the lines that Dean had. I guess, I thought they were, like, reference, 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 reference. Because I, really? I think they lean on that a lot when, like, they're writing Dean's lines in the Sam episode. I think they do, yeah. I thought this one, because there was so much, some of them did feel subtle. I felt like the X-File ones felt a lot more subtle than the Shining ones. Right. And then there was the Hilts and McQueen yes. moment as well. I love that. Yeah, that was a good bit. That one was definitely not subtle because they literally explained <laughs> it to us. Yes. So. Yeah. With the Dana Schultz. I love how they add that in there. Like, that is such a spooky thing. And the idea of obsessively writing something or having something that we find out later it's printed off for them. Like, no one writes it. Right. Um, But that is just such an interesting little thing that leads us down that path. And I love that there's a little twist on it with the changing the spelling. Yeah. And it's the shadow of the mm-hmm. Ashland Supply logo on the wall. I And I love that resolution and how it happens a little after the midway point it's not something we have to really wait Mm -hmm. for i really like two things about that for one i like got a little bit of a chuckle out of it because when um that came out of the fax machine and like the house and it was upside down for far away it looked like elvish writing from lord of the rings and (laughs) i was like what is this like some kind of like cosplay ghost like (laughs) 
This is the weirdest shit. But a thing that I really liked about it was during the um, interviews, this is where they felt like professionals because like they, they have like a procedure. They know what to do when they get arrested. And it's like not, they're not even worried about being arrested. They're just trying to solve mm-hmm. the case. Right. Which I thought was such a cool little thing to add into yeah. this episode. Yeah. This is a really good moment to transition to talking about them being really in sync. That public defender's remark, wow, you really are brothers. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of stuff going on like that during that whole first Mm -hmm. and second act of the episode. They have completely matched stories without talking to each Mm -hmm. other that we know of. They're both working on the anagram simultaneously Mm -hmm. without knowing the others working on it. They both call the lawyer Matlock. Yeah. <laughs> which oh my is, God, is so hilarious good. to me because Sam very seldom makes these kinds of references. Yes, yes. Immediately Sam understands the Steve McQueen mm-hmm. bit on the note. And then they also have their first motel in the yes. Yellow Pages, Jim yes. Rockford thing going on. I just love seeing the system mm-hmm. and just how completely, like I said, in sync they are. And I wish this was something that was highlighted more in individual episodes instead of like dumped on us Mm -hmm. all at once in this kind of episode where we have a semi-outsider perspective for a lot of it. It's really cute. It is really cute and I just find it so impressive. It makes me want to stim. I'm sitting here like "Uh, uh, uh," punching the air like yeah go boys brother stuff. Ollie's laughing at me. (laughs) But I think it's also so true because I know I'm this way with my sisters where when I'm around them, I will bitch and complain about the shit they do. And then as soon as we're apart, like I'll copy the things they do or vice versa. And like other people will say how similar we are. So it is like just such a cute familial thing. Right. Yeah. Jordan, did you, what did you think of that ridiculous scene? It's like iconic for the whole series, the scene where Dean gives the taped confession. Oh, oh my, my god. god, yeah. The, <laughs> I'm Dean Winchester, I'm an Aquarius, I enjoy long walks on the beach and frisky women. I remember that without even writing it down, so it yeah, obviously I'm like... Truly iconic. He's yeah. such a little shit. I love him. Also, like, <laughs> astrology is definitely for gay people, so... Yes. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, come on. In 2006... Mm-hmm. Okay, this is past the point of it being fashionable to talk mm-hmm. about what your astrological sign is. That was like at least five years before then. So, so the point, yeah. the, the fact that he's still bringing it up in that kind of a context. That's just fucking gay. Sorry. Here's the thing. (laughs) I have a specific memory of when I first got into astrology and it was my sophomore year of college. So it would have been 2010. And I specifically remember someone asking me what my star sign is and I had to look it up. I didn't even know what they were. So that means Dean in 2006, whenever Sam was driving, I just imagine he would get his newspaper out that he would get from like a diner and he was reading the local astrology. Oh Oh my God. No, but oh my God, they're always reading the local newspapers. Oh my God. I love this headcanon of Dean reading his fucking horoscope. What a cutie. Shut the fuck up. I'm going to cry. Also... (laughs) Not to be an astrology nerd, but I just love when characters Mm -hmm. sync up with their star sign. Mm -hmm. And, like, Dean is definitely an Aquarius. He's very resourceful. Like, he doesn't do things. Like, he doesn't solve problems in a traditional sense. He's always, like, um, kind of finding his own way of doing it. He's very Mm anti-authority, which is, like, huge with Aquarians. And he really struggles to understand and project his own emotions. Also very much an Aquarius trait. Do you all like Aquariuses? I'm an air sign, so of course I do, but I've also only met like three Aquariuses Mm. in my life, so. Typical of Virgos. I have really never experienced a consistent dislike Mm. of any particular star sign. Really? Yeah. Okay, but you're like the secret water sign bitch. <laughs> That's true. Okay. My mom's an Aquarius. I love Aquariuses. And I okay. I feel like I see a lot of similarities between Dean and my mom in that like yeah. do it yourself, like kind of buckle up so type of. Is Papa Winchester is Dean Mama Winchester for you? I don't What like the fuck? That <laughs> you reminds you of your mom. Oh my god, that's right because you said the reason that you like John Winchester is because you have a close relationship with your mom. 
I said that? Yes, you did! What the fuck? Or you said that's the reason why you're attracted to old men. It's because I'm close to my mother? Yes, you literally said that as an explanation <laughs> when we were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Stop calling John Winchester hot. Oh, I have genuinely no idea what, <laughs> why I said that. That's wild. Allie was just Allie, you're insane. A natural disaster that day. <laughs> that episode, <laughs> I was just like, Allie. let me make Jasper as uncomfortable as I possibly can. And now well, it worked. people are tweeting about it, saying I'm horny for John Winchester. Well, you you bring up that JDM is attractive every single time, so I don't know what the fuck else anyone is supposed to think, well, Allie. It's so funny because like you're like, I was just trying to get under Jasper's skin, but the way you get under people's skin is like by having your own self-destruct button it like affects you uh, it's so true yeah that made me look better to be honest <laughs> okay I regret everything I said in 2x1 um, that was not me that was other Allie now I am saying nothing weird Allie literally has an evil twin <laughs> <laughs> Sally came out to play. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> we can do it too supernatural. <laughs> it's funny you say that because literally, in, I forget which season it is. Maybe thirteen. An antagonist comes back and he's like, wait, no, don't kill me. I'm actually the not evil twin of that <laughs> other person who died. Oh so we're experiencing the plot of Supernatural right now is what I'm yeah. saying. Anyway, so season two, episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. an adventure. So he like says all that shit on tape. And my favorite mm -hmm. thing about this scene is when the bad guy detective, and I say that to be specific, but I think they're all bad guys. Yeah. Just so you know, I hate cops. Anyway, when he's like, oh, I'm going to assault Dean now because I'm mad. Like literally that would have gotten the whole case like totally <laughs> ruined. So that part makes me feel so like smug and mm -hmm. like, haha, fucking cops. But yeah. also with that scene, what the fuck is it in this series with Dean getting tossed on the walls by men in positions of authority, including angels and like aggressive mouth gazing? Like just like the detective and Dean were just like... I'm like, are they going to make out? It like, felt like it. I was like, what's going to happen? <laughs> Two things about that scene. For one, yes, that was my thought. Like, why is Dean always getting pushed up against a wall? Yeah. Even in episode one, like, he was way too excited to get smushed into that car hood yeah. by that cop. He was like, he he he. Was this the first time he was facing towards the person getting pushed against the wall, or was he I don't backwards? even know. I don't even know. I want to say his face was against the wall. This time? I, I think so. I didn't think no, so. He got, no, he was he facing. He got pushed up against mm -hmm. the wall a second time when they cuffed mm -hmm. him. That's right, that's right. Second, yes, the case would have been thrown out immediately when Pete did that. But also, I do like that was getting referenced in the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. So, like, I like that the intent of this episode was to show, like, how much cops kind of mm -hmm. suck. So yeah. Fuck you, cops. I thought that was great. There is a very specific line I want to mention mm -hmm. when we get back to that towards the end. In the next scene, we do cut to um, Sam has snuck out of the precinct. And oh, my God. And I love how the detective is like, how the fuck do you do that? There's no fire escape there. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. I love it. Sorry. I keep interrupting you. I'm just so excited no, about you're fine. I like it them too, being good at things in this episode. Sam kind mm -hmm. of gets forgotten a lot, but they like bring up, oh, you got a full ride to Stanford. You were able mm -hmm. to like get out this window. Like Sam's smart and strong. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Now that we think of it, they gave us a Sam biography and... And a Dean autobiography. Yes. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> side by side. Oh my god. And I just realized he has his arm broken. So like oh, he yeah. escaped out the window with no fire escape with a broken arm. And it's his right arm I think. And his right yeah. hand dominant. And then later in the episode he's fucking like bashing down a brick yeah. wall with a broken arm. Like he's like a fucking beast in he's this episode. He's donkey konging this shit. Honestly. <laughs> 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 He's just on top of the precinct throwing barrels. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I just admit, and he probably <laughs> Okay, 
and the fact that he's like extremely ripped like yes. more and more every year of the show like also is a hilarious image to me this yes. show definitely put steroids in their cows did you just call Jared a cow? <laughs> what are you what talking about? On set, cut this whole. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, okay, so is Jared a cow that we inject steroids into? Are they like at the teeth of a, a roided-out cow? The second, the second lunch break is this just them under the cow? Come on, boys! It's time for your roid milk. <laughs> Can they feed him bird milk, like from Always Sunny? Oh my god! That's what we should call him, Scott's so enormous then! Oh we cracked the cock! It's bird milk. It's the ride milk! What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I need a minute. I need, I need Three boys playing in a star pattern. One of each. I hate that so much. They, That's so gross and weird. No, there's someone whose whole job is to hold a T for E. This <laughs> Oh my god. I can't. That just reminded me that Kripke also does the boys, and there's the whole mother's milk thing in that. And there is the boys. Oh, fuck. Kripke, do you like mother's milk? Roid milk parallels. Eric Kripke, I want to get inside of your brain. I don't. I know enough. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I know what's in there. (laughs) Female in white dresses getting violently murdered and nursing mothers. Just guys being guys. Oh, yeah. Guys being dudes. (laughs) Just, like, ripped dudes giving each other hand jobs, but, like, as bros. Yeah. Yeah. Just the bro experience. It's not gay if you don't look each other in the eye. As long as your socks are on. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> Sorry. How did we end up clowning on... <laughs> well, I don't even know what's happening. Oh, anymore. him climbing out the window. Oh, Sorry. Anyway, so he climbs out the window, and we'll finally let Jordan finish what the fuck they were going to say <laughs> earlier, and I will not interrupt. Oh, no, you're good. I, I like it. I pretty much just want to be like, yeah, they just really wanted to build the characters up. We got, like you said, the cool scene with Dean. And then uh, the detective kind of made a point to be like, wow, Sam, you're like so good at this. But the next scene is the bathroom. I loved this scene. It's really good. So good. Uh, This is just like what I want in a TV horror. It's such classic haunting stuff. Yeah. I love her mouth moving the ghosts and trying to speak, but the blood's coming out of her throat. Right. Fucking terrifying. It's gross. Also, I was not expecting, they kind of swerved me because she saw the ghost in the mirror and horror has Mm -hmm. trained us that when she turned around, there's not supposed to be a ghost, but it was fucking there. It was there. It was grabbing at her. (laughs) And she was like, oh no. I was impressed. I was like, yes, give it to me. Give me those ghosts. I always complain that we get way too many ghosts in the show, but I liked this ghost. It's a different mm-hmm. ghost. Because it's not a vengeful spirit, mm-hmm. it completely changes the narrative of the episode. Yeah. Which changes what kind of thematic extrapolations mm-hmm. we can make about things. And stuff. And stuff. And stuff. I love the scene after that when she goes to talk to Dean and his complete change in demeanor when he realizes that she's not mm-hmm. being a dick. Yeah. And I like to, sorry, I keep bringing this up, but again, like building them up to be professionals. He assumes that she's had some kind of experience and he immediately starts looking for physical evidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like in two seconds finds her wrists. Yeah. Very um, good. Yeah. Remembers the crime scene, brings up exactly like how Mm -hmm. she died. And as soon as they bring in the wrists, my mind goes (laughs) like bruises around wrists, more violence against women. Yay! Yeah, that is such a classic violence against yeah. women thing because it's always they're always bound by the wrists. Mm-hmm. Or not always, obviously, but it's just such a common trope. Mm-hmm. And I'd be more okay with it if there were less violence against women. Like yeah, I think like in, in this real one life, it makes sense. Yeah, or yeah, yeah in I real life too. Thought we were going to get away with it in the beginning of the episode when we found yeah. that it was a man who had been killed by the ghost. And- right. No. But no. We have to have a screaming woman at Always. least once. 
But speaking about violence against women, do you have any thoughts on this spirit before we move on, Allie? I do. I have a lot. Tell me everything. I want to talk about Harbingers of Death. Yes. I love this. I'm obsessed with this. So growing up, one of my best, best friends, her mom grew up in Ireland. And when her mom was married on their wedding night, she heard this like howling cry all night long and stayed up basically all night calling all their relatives to make sure no one died because she thought it was a banshee. Oh. And the next morning she found out they had like some weird dogs that were some type of hound that made this weird noise. Oh. But it was like so believed that she genuinely thought someone had died or was going to die. So this is something that's still a modern thought. So if you don't know Harbingers of Death, just foretell death. Yeah. Um, They usually aren't the cause of it. Sometimes are. It's a little bit depends on the story. There are so many different types. I'll just run through a few. Often the ones we know of and how we see them come from Norse and Celtic myths. Yeah. And they're often people who shriek. So we talked about shrieking witches before. So this just comes back to that idea. There were the Valkyrie who were responsible for who dies and lives on the battlefield and would bring their favorites to Valhalla. Um, There's also Banshees and one of them, Abel, she foretells Brian Beru's death, a famous Irish king. Mm Mm-hmm. There's also hellhounds, which are large red eyes, somehow have hoofs instead of paws. Ornithomancy. SP, quotation marks. <laughs> O-R-N-I-T-H-O-M-A-N-C-Y. Ornithomancy, which are birds, often crows, ravens, and owls foretell death. There's also the doulahen, which are, is death itself. His call and shriek brings souls to him. And also things like Nain Rouge, which is the red impish creature. So all of these foretell death. And there, there are so many. Like, sometimes you'll even get things like three knocks, a white ghost, so basically this, a demon cat, Malusina, Kiguapa. Oh, I'm going to mess this up because this one is either Welsh or Scottish. Coriath, and also the Keonig. Basically, a bunch of different creatures. Some are whalers. The Coriath is a whaler. And then the other one is like a banshee. So these kind of um, go across different groups and different cultures. Oh, uh, W-A-I-L-E-R. I thought you meant a whaler. Oh, wh- yeah. I was like a whaler? Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking about like a crusty old sea captain yeah. with, a, with a cork pipe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. As in whale. But what I was really interested in is why so many are women. Because they're either like women or animals. Hmm. Which is interesting to me. And it could be attributed to lower status. So you're easily blamed, more often targeted, but also Hmm. feared. Women are seen as both unnatural and natural. So I think this kind of blends the lines of both and the fear of women in general. Because they are scared of female power a lot of times. And it does remove the blame from men. Men love doing that. And I love that they're often seen as caution. So it's not that this creature itself is going to drag you to the afterlife. It's that this is like foreboding. And it might go back to keening, which is the Irish practice of females wailing at funerals, mm-hmm. where the, the women would wail and weep and make this big scene. So it was associated with death. So the thought that you would hear this in the world was this, like, woman creature perched, right. the banshee, warning you that there would be a loss. So they're not necessarily evil. And I really like how Supernatural keeps that, in that she's not evil herself. Like, she is genuinely trying to warn them. But they're so feared and obviously associated with that, that often people are afraid of them as entities rather than what comes after them. It just lines up so well. Yeah. I know if anyone is into this type of trope, both the American and the Japanese grudge has something similar. Mm Mm-hmm. Being younger, those were kind of like big blockbusters, but going back and visiting them, they're like actually fun. Yeah, and actually spooky. I really love the Japanese one especially, but I have a Mm -hmm. soft spot for the American one because it has my girl Sarah Michelle. Girl Sarah Michelle. (laughs) I actually do really like the scene when the officer um, Diana does go up to meet with Sam. Yeah, I find that's such an interesting scene because the power has completely shifted Mm -hmm. here. And he's the one telling her about himself instead of Mm -hmm. her 
telling him about himself mm-hmm. and he, he's like humoring her a little bit mm-hmm. and he's being like not condescending but he's just like yeah yeah like let's just get this done mm-hmm. yeah. i love it it's cute also, can I say, uh, was anyone else, like, looking at, like, the decor in that motel <laughs> yes. room? Okay, so almost everything in there is some kind of pink shade or cream shade. And everything is very floral or ovular. And I was like, what the fuck is with this extremely, like, vaginal Fertility motel? Room. Yeah, it, like, what the fuck? What's going on with that? I have no clue what was going on with that. I don't even know, like, within the context of the episode (laughs) how it would fit in. I was just like, is this some sort of, like, we're doing Georgia O'Keefe vibes to, like, be, like, girl bossing or whatever? Like, I was just like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? Like, is this just me? Am I just that lesbian? Like, that... (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) But... It was there. I'm not making it up. Say yes, but I don't, it was, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, it <laughs> was there. I think if, like, they had spent more time in the room, I'd be more concerned. This, to me, almost felt like, you know how they decorate the same room with different yeah. decor each time. It felt like, well, we have this. Right. Two true. seconds Today in this room. Vagina day. Vagina day. <laughs> Our favorite Last day. Last week was Cowboy Elvis. Day. Today it's vagina. <laughs> the two genders. <laughs> No. Cowboys and vaginas. (laughs) Cowboy Elvis and vaginas. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. That's very supernatural genders. (laughs) That is so true. When they do visit Ashland Supply, Mm -hmm. I'm also very interested in the change of color when we get there. So you Mm -hmm. had mentioned Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the episode when they're at the... um, police precinct how everything is very gray Mm -hmm. again and we don't especially care for that but it works i think because in this scene we get a lot more color Mm -hmm. again once we find where claire becker's body is there's lots of yellows injected through the sunlight in the window Mm -hmm. yeah i really liked it and even for a dingy place like i don't know it was well done. It made the scene clear and also, like, visible. Because if this was in grayscale, you wouldn't be able to see anything. Right, because they're, like, literally underground. I love the matching necklaces. Yes. And that's how we find out, like, who did this. But I also have so many questions. First of all, if he's okay with murder, he's okay with just giving her a used necklace. Second of all, does he buy them in bulk? Does he get a discount? How many women are out there with this necklace? Yeah, like, is this, does the symbol mean something to him? Yeah. Personally? It gives me serial killer vibes, to be honest. Which, I mean, by definition, he is True. a yes. serial killer. Clearly, she's in her death state. Yeah. If she wasn't, I think they might have looked pretty similar, too. Yeah. So we do, we do get her uh, her mug shot. Yeah. And they don't, they don't look dissimilar. Yeah. So my wonder is, is he really, like, a serial murderer where he has targeted women like this before? Could be. Could be. Could be. I mean, he's a man and he's a cop, so odds are pretty high. Yes. Allie's laughing, but I'm serious. No, I'm laughing because of how true it is and thinking through my true crime Rolodex in my head (laughs) of every time that's true. (laughs) I can can just imagine you, like, going through it with your your little fingers. My main one was all the women getting killed in Springfield Mm. and how Jordan's mom was very worried for him. (laughs) well no my mom okay so my mom has this superpower she can find really morbid news articles within two seconds so like when i was going to school there was a serial killer that was loose and he was specifically targeting sex workers and he didn't get caught until one of the sex workers killed him Mm -hmm. but when this was happening my mom was really worried about all these murders going on in this area and i was like mom like i'm not a tiny blonde woman like all the women and my mom's like it doesn't matter and i'm like mom i'm like literally six four and 300 pounds and then she within two seconds finds an article of specifically large overweight men who are getting abducted in Ohio and disappearing. And I'm like, how did you find this? And it was up to date too. It's just very strange. That's impressive of your mom. And also that guy was a cop, wasn't he? Oh, that was a different one. So that was when I was a child. Oh, there are just multiple Springfields. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, the a one in Springfield killers. was there was also sex workers that kept oh. getting murdered. They were specifically getting ran over. Oh. And what was happening is there was a police officer. It was the one investigating the case. Oh, he um, would pick up the sex workers. And then when he was finished, instead of paying them, he would just back o- over them and run them over. Yay, Ohio. Yes. Yay, men. Mm. Well, anyway. But yeah, back to the thing. <laughs> Before, we've been seeing the boys through Diana's lens, but this is the first time we really see them working a case through her lens. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really cool. Also, in my head canon, she gets fired from being a cop and is now a hunter. Because, <gasps> like, she, like, found the clues so quickly. She's great. She's incredible. Earlier, we were talking Mm -hmm. about how this episode reminds us of Asylum with the amount of references to Jack Nicholson, but specifically Mm. the reference to The Shining and just the density of Mm -hmm. media references in that episode. But also, I'm reminded of it because the ghost here is very similar to the spirits in Asylum. Mm. So much like in that episode, the spirit of Claire Becker is just reaching out and trying Mm. to communicate. And that Mm -hmm. is one of the first things they bring up in that episode. Also from Sam's point of view, mostly, Mm -hmm. is that the spirits are just trying to communicate and help them find the real threat there. It also parallels how those ghosts were trying to help people from an authority figure that was taking Mm. advantage of his position. Right, exactly. Yeah. This episode just did it so much better, so... Agree. (laughs) Both of the episodes did have Sam being bitchy and really badass. Yeah. I'm here for that. And I really love the transition of realizing it's Pete to jumping to Pete has Dean. Yeah. That is so well done. Right. That's another thing this episode did is it just kept the tension going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that sharp increase in stakes was very, very needed at that point. And you get smart Sam, which they always say he's smart, but he doesn't act smart all the time. Um, with knowing that the low jack on the system, yeah, on the vehicle, I th- and that they can track Dean. I think they really lean into Sam's very widespread knowledge of a lot of seemingly random details in mm-hmm. season two. I'm yes. thinking of how in the previous episode he was very quick to recognize H.H. Holmes off of that list. True. And to think of new solutions to their problems. In in season one, I think what they mainly focused on when they talk about Sam Smarts are his ability to research mm-hmm. intelligently and efficiently and also come up with lightly psychotic <laughs> solutions during high tension situations, like the holy ground thing with the driving over the church. Yeah, grounds. that's true. Yeah, I just love that they're, like, kind of showing us more. Yes, I agree. Yeah, another reason why I think season two is just exceptional. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Is this the first time... This isn't the first time where Dean has been extremely damselized, is it? But he is extremely damselized here. Maybe, like, more intensely than other times he has been a damsel. That's one of the rules for our drinking game me and my partner joke about is every time Dean's a damsel, take a shot. (laughs) And it happens every other episode. (laughs) It's so funny because I like it in this episode, but there were other episodes where um, I think Dean should have been damselized and then um it ended up not right like um, i'm specifically thinking of oh the episode with the um striga oh yeah Uh, yeah yes i could see that that yeah i remember i remember because it the message that it was sending about the resolution of his childhood drama was Mm -hmm. kind of icky yeah yeah no you're absolutely right I he also- still manages to keep his, like, shit-eater attitude the whole time he's a damsel, though. Like, yeah, I- he's aware that he's about to get murdered, but he's also like, hey, don't call me a scumbag. <laughs> it reminds me. I know, like, he will literally go to the end with that shit-eating grin. Yeah, I put in my notes, it goes, Pete's about to kill Dean. Aw, Dean's such a cutie. <laughs> he is, though. Oh. I do like when they show up. That was a really intense final showdown. Right. I also, like, we've talked about it so much, but I just love the human being the real monster and it being a cop. Yeah. 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 And thinking about, this is the quote I mentioned earlier that I wanted to come back to, where Sam says, sometimes spirits want justice. Mm -hmm. And in an episode centered around policing, 
cops are supposed to be an instrument of justice, mm-hmm. but they so often are not. In fact, I would say like 99.99% of the time they are not. You know, so what qualifies as justice is it when the ghost distracts Pete mm-hmm. and Diana kills him? Mm-hmm. Or, like, what is it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and they say she's going to be at peace, but it just feels like there is no justice. Because um, specifically when Diane is talking to Pete, she says, how many more people are going to die for this, Pete? Right. Um, there can't be a justice when there's been so much cruelty and right. uh, using it to push herself forward. Right, exactly. Especially, like, I mean, everyone who was murdered was innocent, but um, Karen, like, had nothing to do with the yeah. situation whatsoever. Right, exactly. He just assumed that she yeah. knew... I'm not going to say this is a good example because she still met a very violent end, but the ghost was someone who was a drug dealer and possibly an addict, but I like Mm -hmm. that it was never made fun of. Yeah. And like she wasn't villainized. Or justified. Like you, some people attempt to justify a cruelty. I think the way they framed it was that she had been used by Mm -hmm. the system of policing as much as anyone else Mm -hmm. involved in the situation. Wait, Supernatural did something right? I know. I really, I love these anti-cop vibes. Even as they're ending, like in that final couple of lines Mm -hmm. of dialogue, nice lady. For For a a cop. cop. It's qualified with for a cop. Yeah. Because someone who is a cop is not a nice person. And that is the bottom line. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing this was a pretty big actress because I didn't really understand the quote. She looks familiar. Yeah. Let me let me get into Please. that. Yeah. So I did have several written down actresses here. So the first the first mm-hmm. actress here who is in uh, other things that people who watch the show may have seen is Keegan Connor Tracy, who played Karen. Mm-hmm. She is the Blue Fairy and Mother Superior in Once Upon a Time. Mm-hmm. She is also Eleanor Lipson in The Magicians. Oh. Yeah. But Linda Blair, who plays Detective Diana Ballard, mm-hmm. was in The Exorcist. Yes. <gasps> oh, that makes sense with the P. Oh. Yes. And that's why they were like, did she look familiar to you? Oh. It was I, a final horror reference I right at the end. I love that. I knew it was something, but I couldn't figure it mm-hmm. out. That's so cool. So, she killed it, though. I would say one of the best guest stars to date. Fantastic. Yeah, she was really, really good. I think she was a little hammy in a couple of scenes. Yes. The hand on the face was the time when they see her wrist thing. Yeah. That's the one I thought was a little hammy. Yeah, there was that. And when she is first talking to Sam in the hotel Mm. and she's like a little distressed. I love her lip acting. She's a lot of interesting facial expressions with her lips. Lots of micro expressions Mm -hmm. on the face going on. It's more about, like, the delivery of the lines at certain times that I thought was not the best. Mm -hmm. But still, I mean, like, compared to some of the other Mm one-off characters, like, she was incredible. So I think something that season two, just on the whole, does really well from the beginning as compared to the first season that contributes a lot to the uptick in Mm -hmm. quality is this addition of the third character pov Mm. where you get a little bit of the outside perspective Mm. of the boys i would say we get a lot of this in the episode with gordon that we already had bloodlust and you know in the previous episode no exit with joe Mm -hmm. and things like that and i just i love i love this because it's definitely something we talked about while we were watching season one Mm -hmm. where we were like wow Having another person here to change up the dynamic a little bit would really help. And this is another, like, really amazing example of that. Yeah, I think that was one of my um, gripes with the first season is that we did need that kind of outside source. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great start to season two. Well, do you have any good fan fiction for us today? Or terrible. We're open to both. Yeah. Let's see what I got. For this one, what I grabbed was a Supernatural Law & Order SVU crossover called Demon Vacation by AO3 user Moon Silver Sprite. 
The summary is, when the brothers go to New York to stop a witch and some demons, they're arrested by NYPD and questioned by the Special Victims Unit. But when demons start to become more and more real for the team, will they believe the Winchesters? So, very similar premise yeah. to mm-hmm. this, and also to some of the episodes in Season 3. Um, characters here are Sam Winchester, Dean Winchester, Olivia Benson, Donald Cragen, Odafin Finn, how do you pronounce that? Tutuola? I don't watch SVU. Amanda Rollins, John Munch, George Huang, Castiel, and Meg Masters. Parentheses, Demon. <laughs> Additional tags, the Winchesters and the Law, Demons, Witches, Demonic Possession, and Police Procedural. And this is part of a series called The Law and the Paranormal. I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of it, but it mm-hmm. is um it is pretty recent. Oh. This is from 2019. Ooh. So yeah, if you like this kind of concept, might be something interesting to check out. It does mm-hmm. sound cool. There are 11 installments in this series. It is completed. Y'all watch Law & Order, don't you? No. I've never seen never? it before. Oh, you've never? Okay. I've seen it like twice. <laughs> I Yeah, my parents used to watch it when mm-hmm. I was a kid, and I always ignored it being on in the background, but Ooh. I just get that stupid um, half-synth, like... Yeah, the duh, duh. Oh, like yeah. stuck in my head a lot. Yeah, my mom learned early that TV is a good way to shut us up, and it was easier oh. for her to get roped into our shows than the other way around. So oh, I just true. turned my mom into a big WB fanatic like me. Incredible. <laughs> Love to watch trashy TV with her parents. Too, oh, absolutely. I visited my family recently, and mm-hmm. my mom and I were really bummed that we didn't have time to sit down and watch Supernatural together. Aww. She Aww. just watched season one, episode nine, Croatoan, and was very excited to talk to me about that it's yeah. awesome yeah do we want to rate the episode let's yes. rate that episode nice i'm gonna give it a 4.5 i really like this episode i like that they played around with how they set the episode up a lot i'm gonna knock it down 0.5 just because obviously violence against women yeah. um but also i just find it hard to compare to some of the better like episodes that we rated really well i think it's just missing a little bit of special magic compared to those but 4.5 trinkety necklaces i'm going to rate it five out of five i thought narratively it was fantastic i love that it references the unusual suspects in its name, but kind of inverts that where they're actually telling the truth in this one. Um, I think so much of it is intentional and really well done. I will give it five out of five Dianas because she's so fucking perfect. (laughs) Hell yeah, Diana. I am going to give this one a four out of five because as iconic as some of the moments Mm -hmm. in this episode are and like as well paced as it is and like it's just so wonderfully constructed it just one like jordan said was missing like there's just something you know um just that's the little spark of something and that i don't get from it and i love how they address the fact that they have had these extremely intense proximity to murder and legal problems. Yeah. And the way the end of the episode sets us up to wonder if they're going to encounter future problems mm-hmm. with police when she says, uh, when Diana Ballard tells them that she can't do anything about the St. Louis murder case. But despite all those things, it's just missing a little bit of something for me. And on top mm-hmm. of that, I, like, I get a little annoyed at the sort of Neanderthal Dean yeah. stuff in episodes like this. I just don't get why they do that. It's fun. It is fun, but it, it just feels so drastically different from how he's characterized in episodes that are more balanced between mm-hmm. Sam and Dean content that I just gotta roll my eyes a little that's fair i totally agree one pet peeve i have in tv shows is i crave consistency right that is the sign of a good show right and and it is consistent in um highlighting dean's interests and like his little physical tics and things like that but i don't know in any event yes i give this one a four out of five powerful pantsuits fantastic before I guess what's going to happen next, I did just want to ask, does anyone know Sam's star sign? It's 
Taurus. Oh my god, I knew he was an Earth sign. I just like imagine Dean and Sam getting in like a little tiff and then Dean being like, wow, you're being like such a Taurus right now (laughs) under his breath. Oh my God. But in any event, um, what's going to happen next? I think, oof, there wasn't really a jump off point here. So honestly, I have no clue, but I'm just going to create something. Let's throw some ideas into a pot and mix it up. What would you like to see? Werewolves. Werewolves. Always. (laughs) I want werewolves. I've still not got them. I'm sorry, Jordan. Will it be like horny ghosts? We get horny werewolves. Will we? Who knows? I love a good horny monster. We all love a horny monster. Yeah. Monster fuckers united. (laughs) No, no abort mission. (laughs) I'm. I will say the show like only gives us horny ghosts. I guess we got like a horny zombie. True. Well, this ghost wasn't horny. True. True. But I am ready for something else that's horny, like a horny Frankenstein. I think the only horny Frankenstein I can think of is from, oh, what's that show with um, <laughs> Ava Green? Yeah. The Penny literal, Dreadful. Literal horny Frankenstein. Literal horny monster. Frankenstein. Oh, my God. <laughs> Buffy had a horny Frankenstein, actually, in the first season. Just to reiterate, though, I don't want a horny monster. I want a monster with horny vibes. Oh, gotcha. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Like yeah, it more. that's what I got for you all. Take with that what you will, listeners. <laughs> I apologize. Mm, we embrace <laughs> it. I don't apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Greenwood, Mississippi. Bye. Bye. Bye.